If you have access to the scriptures electronically, digitally, or in the old-fashioned paper style, you uh, need to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what's in the heart. A bit of a clue there, isn't there? If we are out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right minds, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Do you ever read the Bible and suddenly things fire off and you think, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's all right to be out of your mind for God. That's, that's what he says. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, that's not the subject for this morning, so I better move on. <laughs> for God's love compels us, verse 14, because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Thanks. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And just, we do have a bit of time, so if you could Keep your finger in that passage. Just go back a book to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, you might think, what is the connection? But just, just, just hang in there for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're just going to break into at verse 14. It says, By his power God raised the Lord from the dead, and he, raised, he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one spirit, is one with him in spirit. Flee sexual immorality. All of the sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You think, wow, what's going on here? Reading a passage about dealing with prostitutes. Have I got this all wrong again? Ah, okay, thanks. Cheers. That's better. Don't want to break it. It's great. Rather than that big thing that was sticking around the front. Yeah. I want to talk today about remembering who we are. That's kind of my title. And 
I think one of the underlying themes of both 1 and 2 Corinthians is basically that. Remember who you are. And he keeps talking to them about how they're behaving in a way which is just like mere men, is a phrase he uses in 1 Corinthians. <coughs> and, uh, in 1 Corinthians. and here he talks in, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about not regarding one another from a worldly point of view. And it's actually quite easy to do that because... Men look on the outside, God looks at the heart. And Paul even refers to that in the passage. We're, we're impressed, we measure things by the externals. What God's looking at is what's going on on the inside. Uh, and then he says this well-known Christ verse that gets quoted a lot. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, and that's his reason for not regarding one another from a worldly point of view. And one of the things that we're, we're exploring, and, and some of you, the small group leaders, have been in on this. We did a whole session on something called culture of honor. And the big piece of that is about this, is not regarding one another from a human point of view. Is actually seeing what God has deposited inside everybody and encouraging that and drawing that out and believing in one another and not flipping over into the negative, which is focusing on all the abundant weaknesses which we all have. Is that not true? Let's just kind of make one another feel better. Anybody here got lots of weaknesses? There we go. We're all happy now. But actually, to not behave like mere men, to not be worldly, means that actually we've got to learn to know one another in a different way. We've got to recognize... The, the God's work inside, the new work, the new creature, the new creation that has happened inside someone. And it says an amazing thing. It says the old is without really specifying what old went away in this particular verse. And the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, so someone who's uh, it come to Jesus, has put faith in him, and he's come to live in them. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. What, what does that mean? What the, the word literally means a new creation, a new type of being. A Christian is actually a new type of being. One that has not existed on the planet before. If, it was, if there had been something like this before, it wouldn't be new. It would be a rebrand or a relaunch. It would say, if anyone's in Christ, he's a bit like that guy in the Old Testament. No, it's saying if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, he's a new species, a new kind of person that has not, well, there's only one other person that was at all like this, and that's Jesus. He is the, he is the first, he was the forerunner. He is our model. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. God let something loose on the earth that was brand new when Jesus rose from the dead. And it was called... Becoming born again. It's called becoming a completely new kind of person. And something that's old disappears. I, could, I can give you some... Now, obviously, you, everything that old, is old isn't gone. Like when I became a Christian, I woke up the next day, still looked the same. Do you know what I mean? The day when I get my glorious new body is yet to come. Then you're going to see how cool I really am. 
At the moment, all that super coolness is wrapped up inside this somewhat limited carcass <laughs> that tomorrow will be another year older. Thank you for reminding me, Sarah. <laughs> that bit isn't new. That bit, that old bit hasn't gone away. We have them, bodies. And actually, our minds aren't new. We're charged to make them new. Yeah, yeah that's what the R- Romans 12 tells us. Ephesians tells us the same. Ephesians puts it this way. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And Romans 12 tells us to be renewed. just says, renew your mind that you may prove the will of God. So there's something that can become new but isn't new yet, yeah? Anybody got sort of memories? Suddenly you wake up the next day a Christian and you remember, still you can still remember all the rubbish things you did. Anybody have those, those sort of moments where something comes into your head and you can still feel the embarrassment cling to you? You're not there. You're not in the situation. You're not doing it. But it just... Is it just me? It's just, it may have been 10 years ago. Come on, help me out today. <laughs> it may have been 10 years ago and suddenly you remember you go, oh my goodness, did I really do that? The memory's still there. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> Thanks, love. She knows me too well. I am unique. Isn't that a good job, good job, really? So some old things, but some old things have gone. The power of the old nature has died, Romans 6 tells us. So the power of sin over your life has actually been put to death. That's gone away. Guilt has gone away. It goes on to talk about how we've been reconciled to God. God no longer is counting men's sin against them. That's an old thing that stopped happening. There's no anger in God to you. There's no wrath in God to you. There's no punishment left in God for you because he exhausted it all on Jesus. That old way of fearing God is gone. God's not angry with you. He loves you. He's got nothing left in his punishment tank. He exhausted it on Christ. Isn't that great? So you may wake up in the morning in a grump about yourself, but he never wakes up, well, he never goes to sleep, but he never encounters you when you wake up in a grump and goes, you know what, I'm in a right grump with you today, says the Lord. Now that's you imposing your mood on him, because all his wrath got expended on Jesus. So something very, very profound changed. The ability of your history to rule your future has gone. The guilt of your foolishness has gone. The power of the law actually has gone. You died to the law. So the old covenant reality was that we live under rules and regulations. And Romans 7 tells us that in Christ we died to the law and the regulations. We're not under law. We're not under the power of sin. We're not under the wrath of God. We're not governed by, by sin anymore. Those, things, those old things have passed away. Hallelujah. 
The new has come. The new creation has come. In fact, those old things needed to pass away in order that the new thing could happen on the inside of us. And now we have, like Jesus, we have a dual nature. So Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, and he walked the planet as both simultaneously at the same time. Yeah? We don't totally get that, we don't totally understand it, but that's, that's what he was. We have become like him. I'm not saying you're 100% God and 100% man, but you are dual natured just like he was. And actually, just like he still is. You know, on the throne, there's still a man. He's got a new body, but he's still a man. Isn't that exciting? I find that. So he inter- lives to intercede for us because he's aware of what it's... He's, he's able to stand in that in-between place between God utterly divine and man, human fallenness, because he's been there and he still actually bears those marks in his body. God is not a disembodied person who doesn't know what human existence looks and feels like. Isn't that exciting? That's a bit of a sidetrack. But actually we are like Jesus. We have a divine nature and we still live in a human body Hallelujah. We've got something of heaven resident inside of all of us. Colossians, I just want to hit a few verses because the Bible, the New Testament has different ways of saying the same kind of thing. So Colossians puts it this way. It says that God, God has chosen to make his riches known amongst the Gentiles. A glorious mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now sometimes I talk about this. Just, just look at the person next to you for a moment. Imagine that all that they are, their, their very essence, their very being, jumped out of their body and joined you in yours. It's a bit like a scary sci-fi horror movie, isn't it, at some level? Can you imagine? Suddenly there's this whole load of, I don't know, desires, thoughts, passions that are not yours resident in you. They lock people away who think like that, don't they? You know, know, and, and, and that person, it's a sunny afternoon... Well, you may want to go and have a barbecue. But that person who's now living inside you may want to go and find a beach or go swimming, and you don't like swimming. But that's what happens when you become a Christian. Jesus, not a little bit of Jesus, not a down payment of Jesus, not like the big toe of Jesus does not come and live inside of you. You don't just get Jesus' big toe. Isn't that good news? Or his hair. You had nice hair in the movies. I know, ladies. Yes, I know. But the point of this scripture in Colossians is that Christ, in his fullness, which Colossians talks about, has 
if you like, popped out of heaven and come to take up residence inside of you in his fullness. Isn't that exciting? You're new creatures. God lives in you in his fullness. He didn't leave bits of him behind. Sue Peter puts it a different way. It says that we have everything we need. We've received everything we need for life and godliness through the precious and through these precious promises that we've received, we participate in the divine nature. Do you know that? You're a participator in the divine nature. Heaven lives in you. God lives in you. In all his glory, in all his goodness, in all his holiness, he has come and parked his greatness inside your life. When you invited him in, he said, thank you very much, here I come. Yeah, and then he brought all his friends with him as well, called the church, isn't that great? Paul puts it this way, and we read it. It's interesting that he uses a, a passage on sexual immorality to make these very profound points about our union with Christ and who we are. But he, he, he rounds that passage that we read, he rounds it off and says, don't you know? Because again, it says his point, you're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting this profound, glorious, experiential reality that you are temples of the Holy Spirit. You're not like you used to be. Just flesh and blood. Dead to God is the way Ephesians calls it. Dead in our sins. Actually at enmity with God. We're in conflict with God. That's what we used. That's dead. That's gone. Something has changed. And you are now the temple of the Holy One. In fact, he says, when you join yourself to the Lord, you become one spirit with him. Wow. You know, sometimes when you don't know what it means, it's still good to go, wow. (laughs) Don't you read passages like that? I'm one spirit with the Lord. Wow. (laughs) Doesn't it touch you like that? You think, wow, that sounds flipping amazing. Not a clue what it looks like, but it sounds incredible. I'm one spirit with God. So what he's saying, Paul's saying, listen, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and when he comes to live in you, he doesn't cut off communication with headquarters. Where, where, where heaven ends and you begin isn't actually easy to discover. You have one spirit with him. You have his spirit. And he's not go, going right now, Andy, you have my spirit. I'm, I'm buzzing off and I'll leave him with you. And I'll go think about other things. In fact, in that passage, he doesn't just say we're one spirit with him. He says actually our bodily members are connected to Christ as well. And that's even more profound mystery to understand So, so if I smacked you one in the jaw in the name of Jesus, Jesus would be saying, what are you doing using my fist to hit your brother? 
That, that's kind of language he's using here only about sexual immorality. So you're joining the bodies, the members of Christ, to a harlot. Don't do it. That's incredible union with Christ. He's saying that our, our, we're connected somehow, mysteriously to us, that we are extensions of Christ on the earth, both in spirit and in body. This is who we are. When you said one day, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin, will you please come and live in my heart? You didn't quite realize what you were letting yourself in for. Heaven jumped into your heart. Jesus jumped into your heart. His spirit jumped into your heart. He connected you with headquarters on a permanent broadband line. You know, with water in a pipe, you know, water comes into your house in a pipe. Well, it does in this country, in Mozambique. If you get water, you're, you're lucky. It's just kind of, it's going to take a few weeks to get that out of my system, the whole. If sometimes there is a pipe and there's no water. Sometimes there's no water and no pipe. But in my house, there is a pipe. And it has water in it. And it goes all the way back to Loch Katrin somewhere. Where does the water in the pipe stop being water in the street and start being water in my house? It's just water, isn't it? There isn't a little kind of checkpoint halfway up the path that goes, I officially proclaim you are now water in the house. It just flows. It's connected. It's one water with all the water that is the water that goes all the way back to the loch. I am one water with Loch Catherine, but I live in Clarkston. You're one spirit with God, but you live on earth. The water just flows. We're temples. We're one spirit. Ezekiel promised that we'd get new hearts and new spirits. This is what this is all about. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and then God shows up and he makes us alive in Christ. That's what this looks like. I'm fleshing it out for you. You've become alive in an unprecedented way. You have God's Spirit in you. He's given you a new nature. You're a new creature, a new kind of being walking the planet that the planet had not seen before Christians started to come and happen. You don't live an earthly life. You're not made to function just the way everybody else functions. You're different. If you hadn't noticed. So what, what, does, this, what does this mean? <clears throat> well, first of all, we have made this incredible transition from being objects of wrath to sons and daughters who are objects of affection. And that's something that has to change in here. Because we were once distant. And if you bring the idea of distance into your Christianity, you start to feel like an orphan when God's actually paid for you to be a son and a daughter. 
So don't bring your old into the new. That's an old thing that has gone. We're, we're sons and daughters. We're objects of God's affection, not of his displeasure. We're objects of his passion, actually, of his desire. He, he wants us as his sons and daughters. He wants our love and our friendship and our relationship. This is not a functional relationship. God isn't count, sitting there in heaven saying, oh good, that's my two billionth conversion. I've got his name, now let's find the next one. No, he's after a passionate relationship with you. It's more like a love affair than it is a business relationship. He's after your affections and he's after pouring his into you. Another thing it means is that our inner fundamentals have been forever changed. And a lot of us walk around thinking, if I look too deep inside, what I'm going to find is a bit of a mess. My deepest self, I dare not go there because that is a cupboard which is a bit too scary to open. And if I open it, it's full of scary things. So I'll just shut it, lock the door and throw away the key. Or you have people who do go there. And somehow they think this inner exploration and they find this horrible place and then they just end up really depressed. It was as bad as I thought. <laughs> he didn't dig deep enough didn't look in the right place we're not sinners saved by grace that is a really bad bit of theology although it is true we are saved by grace but our continuing identity is not as sinners if you bore down to the in, the inside of you if you trying to find if you were a stick of rock what's written through you isn't blackpool it's jesus Your identity, your nature is not now fundamentally a horrid person or a sinner or a failure or a freak or a, I don't know, whatever else you may have thought you were. That isn't who you are. What's deep inside of you is the most powerful, most beautiful, most wonderful thing that exists. It's God's spirit. It's God's presence. Huh. Exciting. You are not a sinner. You shouldn't line up with that identity. You should line up with the identity that says, I am a child of God. I am one spirit. I'm a new creation. No one's ever seen anything like me before. I'm amazing. We are amazing. We are walking miracles. This can only happen because God thought it up. And God implemented an incredible plan of love for us. So actually now we're not governed by sin. That's a superficial level of temptation. Our fundamental governor is a desire to do things right for God and with God. We actually have power to live different right down here, right inside of us. 
So our fundamentals are pure and powerful, not ugly and horrible. Our relationship is now one of affection and love with our Heavenly Father, not one of fear, of rejection, or in a sense of being ready to be punished. And, and, and then we've, we've got, it's like we received the latest high-tech 3D heaven receiver. I don't know if you're on cable, but Virgin have been sending stuff around They've got this new, I think it's about a terabyte recorder box. And you can, I don't know, you can do all kinds of things with your television. And, and now, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to sell us. I've just got an HD ready television. And now they want me to have a 3D ready television. I mean, who wants, I mean, my HD is pretty cool. I like HD. Who wants to watch the telly with funny glasses on? Come around to my house or watch a movie and bring your weird glasses with you. I'll just kind of sit there. I guess it might catch on, but I have my doubts. I like to think that I'm progressive and not a sort of dinosaur, but 3D telly is just a bit too over the top for me. But when you connect to God, you are fully digitally equipped. To receive heavenly information, in however it comes, I think it must be better than 3D, because it's God. When you read things like Revelation and some of the prophetic stuff, you think, man, I don't think even 3D could encapsulate wheels within wheels and eyes on the wheels and, and wings with eyes and, and, and glassy seas and, and thunder and lightning and creatures that can't be described and that's my home. When you become a Christian, you receive all the equipment to receive all the information that comes from that place to you. You don't need to buy a new set-top box every year as a believer. It comes fitted as standard. Isn't that cool? And there's no subscription charge either. So revelations, hearing his voice, dreams, visions are all there for us. I've seen people get saved and straight away start to get incredible stuff. I remember a guy that we led to the Lord and he came and he talked to us. He was really worried. He'd been in the pub talking to his mates. And he said, as I'm talking to my mates, I'm starting to get this information about them. And I want to tell them stuff about them that they haven't told me that I suddenly know. He hadn't been saved very long, so he'd never talked about words of knowledge. He was just getting them. And it was scaring him because he was getting stuff that he didn't understand and he knew he hadn't learned and he didn't know what to do with it. Why? Because he came fully equipped. Often what happens is we then learn to doubt that stuff. Oh, I've got to grow in here and go, listen, when you become a Christian, you get the full thing. You can get all this download all the time dreams visions words of knowledge holy spirit stuff is just there and i think the church comes along as it messes with all our receiver dials we're like i don't know if this is god or if this is me it's in the fundament it's more most likely it's god we are much better equipped to hear him, see him, receive from him than we give ourselves credit for. We are one spirit with him. We are new creatures. 
And we're called to do the works that Jesus did by functioning the way that Jesus functioned. And he functioned out of this connection with the Father, where he could see what the Father was doing and he could hear what the Father was saying. That requires a real high-quality digital link in spiritual terms, does it not? And that's what he's given us. That's why he then says to us, you can go do the works that I've done and greater works just because you believe in me, not because you passed a test or did Bible college or did any exams. No, you can go do that stuff. Why? Because you believe in me. Why? Because when you believe in me, you get the full set-top box. You need no further upgrade. You can do all the things I did because I'm giving you all the stuff I had. Hello? Isn't that cool? The next thing it means is God never goes away. In fact, you can't get rid of him. Although sometimes you might want to. Feelings and thoughts of abandonment that we have are lies. And they happen. I'm not saying that you don't feel these things. Now, this is going to touch on something, but it doesn't mean they're true. Feelings have value, but they're not the ultimate test of reality. It's, not, it's important not to ignore our feelings, but it's also important not to allow our feelings to rule us because they're not the ultimate reality. They're just part of the equipment we have as human beings. So sometimes when we feel or think, oh, God's left me. Where are you today? I feel rubbish. I get more brummy when I talk like that. Really. <laughs> it's because Birmingham, to me, is aligned with depression and God delivered me from that. Well, God, you're just all depressive here and dirty and horrible. And oh, Sorry to fellow brummies. Um, he does love Birmingham, which is amazing. That just shows you the love of God, doesn't it? God loves Birmingham. That should be shouted from the rooftops. That tells you how amazing the love of God is. He loves Birmingham and he loves Brummies. Yay! See, if he loves Birmingham, it's easy for him to love Glasgow. He never goes away. You can't get rid of him. like me saying, you know what, I don't want water in my house anymore. You know, to do that, I'd have to either go out and find a stopcock or dig the pavement up and chop the pipe in half. You know, every morning, even if I'm in a bad mood, and this is wondrous after Mozambique, when I turn the tap on to clean my teeth, water comes out of the tap! You know, so you go in the bathroom and it's, I'm obviously the only one who lives like this, just looking at you. Do you know those days where you just come like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but whether I feel brilliant or awful, what comes out of the tap? <laughs> wow, thank you.
thank you, Jesus. Water comes out of the tap in my house every day. And I've got hot, they've got cold. I could mix them all together and have a shower. And it works all the time. <laughs> so I'm still kind of getting reverse culture shock. That's what I'm going through here. Just let me act it out and I'll feel a lot better. So God's there all the time. Even on a bad day, he's never abandoned you, he's never left you. His presence, his resource is there because he said he never would go away. It's our, us that need to be renewed to think differently and not allow those sensations and thoughts to govern our view of reality. There's a higher reality and it's the one we've got born into. Heaven's come to earth and it's not going away. The next thing it means is that sanctification, that is the the, the maturing of the believer as you become more and more like Jesus, is really just a matter of an inner takeover. It's letting more of the new kick out what old is left. So we are instructed, although although the the power of sin is dead and and the power of the old man is dead, that we are yet by the Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of the body. How do we do that? We do that by staying connected to the water main. We do that by remembering who we are, by identifying with the right thing, by remembering that we are these new creatures who are indwelt by God, who have his Holy Spirit, who have his resources, and our identity now is lined up with him. And our power source is him. The chief and most prominent and most dominating power source in our life is what comes down from our Heavenly Father and is connected to us in our inner being. Isn't that exciting? And as we let more and more of what he's put inside us already take over the bits that aren't so clever, then we just become more like him. Sanctification, easy. It's about, and it's not about trying to become something you're not really, which is how a lot of Christians feel. So you get these conversations as a leader, oh, I've just got to be real, man. You know, and actually, I just don't fancy it. You know, I don't, I don't fancy being holy today, and I've got to be real, I can't deny my feelings. Yeah, you can, because they're wrong ones. They're feelings that are lined up with your old way of thinking. They're not lined up with what God's done. We're just in a process of learning to line up with who we really are. And the, these passages in Corinthians, they're just reminding this church and reminding us, be who you are. Don't fall back from that. Don't live like normal people because you're not normal anymore. When you prayed that prayer, you waved bye-bye to normal. What you really want to be like, what's programmed into you by the Holy Spirit is you want to be like Jesus. That's reality. Now you may not feel that every day, but that doesn't mean that is the overriding thing in your life. The overriding passion is to be like Him. And often that's what starts to happen in worship. You know, the layers start to come off of our working week and the things that we're concerned about and things that we've failed. And as we just kind of worship, those layers disappear and we connect to our Father, we suddenly remember who He is. And what starts to come out of us is this great cry of love and passion for Him. Now, 
That's in here all the time. It just kind of gets buried by other stuff. The next thing is supernatural is normal. Oh, I don't want to get into one of those sort of weird super spiritual, supernatural churches. I want to be normal. What's normal? Most people's normal is like me. Do you know what I mean? I'm a register of normality. And when you get married, you realize that actually normal has a broader definition. I'm serious about this. It took me a long time to figure that out, but I'm sharing it with you for free. (laughs) So you tend to assess normal by who you are, but then when you encounter someone else who gets very close to you, you realize that they think everything they do is normal as well, but it's not the same as your normal. (laughs) So either one of you has got to normalize the other, or you have to broaden your definition of normal. Now, when Jesus comes into your life, your normal just became supernormal. Your normal became supernatural. Because he's supernatural. And he has different ideas to you and me about the way things work. So like we shared last week, walking on the water is no big deal to him. He doesn't have a problem with analyzing the effects of surface tension. He's God. And something inside of every believer, I believe, whether they are uh, cessationist, conservative, I believe inside every believer, because they're born again, because a bit of heaven lives inside of them, because the Holy Spirit in his fullness is inside them, because Jesus, not just Jesus' big toe, but Jesus lives inside of them, there's a deep hunger deep down inside to see God move in power and overwhelm the natural with the supernatural. I believe it's in every believer Maybe covered over, maybe adjusted by uh, teaching that they've received. But fundamentally, you can't be born again and not want to see God move in power. Because that's what Jesus does. And he, he lives in you now. Now, it may freak you out in your old world of normal. But we're learning to be in our new world of normal. Aren't we? And be happy about it. And the other thing is that he's always working in us. But actually, we've, we've touched on this. He's, he's never, he never has a holiday. Have you noticed that? God never goes on holiday. He never has a rest. He's always working on the inside of us and, and inclining us to do his will. And that means that we have limitless energy to do the things he's called us to do and to overcome the challenges he's called us to overcome and to conquer the sins he's called us to conquer. Yeah? He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. He never stops. He never gives up. So, this is so encouraging. We need to keep remembering who we are. And and, and for a lot of us, we're not who we think we are. We're better than that. We're amazing. We are truly supernatural. We are truly destined for amazing stuff we are truly connected to heaven we are truly conduits for heaven's power to come to earth that's who we are 
we are truly able to hear God, see him, and encounter him because that's who he's made us. So, it's really important that you don't listen to your old man too much. He's still there. His power is crushed and broken, but he's still... It talks to you. And he's trying to make it sound like you want to do all the old stuff because the old stuff was better. Do it the old way. Do it with me. God doesn't really love you that much. You're not really that amazing. You can't do amazing stuff. You can't receive the Holy Spirit like that. You can't heal people. You can't do that. You can't be bold. You can't be dangerous. You can't express yourself in worship because that's not the sort of person you are. Hang on a minute sort of person you are is a new sort of person. So the old doesn't apply anymore. So shush. What's the new man saying? Who are you? You're a worshipper. You're an extravagant worshipper. You're a bold worshipper. You're a courageous worshipper. You're, you're a carrier of heaven. You're a, you're a healer of the sick. You're a raiser of the dead. You're a man and woman who knows how to walk in peace and joy because that's who you are. It doesn't really apply to you because you're not like that. Shut up. The Bible actually says that the flesh is opposed to the spirit. So we shouldn't listen to it too much because it fundamentally is going in the opposite direction to the one God wants to take us in. And the problem we have as Christians is when this voice gets dressed up as religious. So it puts on religious cloak and we think, ooh, being all non-expressive and locked up is spiritual. I'll leave you to think about that. The other person we listen to in this ear is the devil. Right, so you have to think of your brain not as a closed system but as an open one. Now you're responsible for what you allow to sit there but you can't always control with what you hear. All right, so it's more like an, it's, it's more like an open bowl and you're, you're supposed to fish stuff out that gets in there that's extraneous matter. And the devil loves to go... In the other ear, you're no good, you're not going to make it, you're, you know, all the kind of, because his basic job is to steal, kill and destroy all the good stuff that God's put inside of you. So if you listen to this one or this one too much, you start to believe things that aren't true. Let's just round it off with this. It's really important to keep in touch with the new creation and let the Holy Spirit be the greater reality in you than the other voices, that you do things that He likes. Yeah? That doesn't mean you never do things that you like because there is an overlap. So like going to the movies is spiritual. But think of something that... that Just think about this. I... I like to watch a film and I deliberately disengage. What's the, what's the belief thing you do? Suspension of, that's the word I was looking for. I was thinking about it this morning. Suspension of disbelief. Most films, if you don't do that, they don't make any sense. 
You know, it's just such a coincidence that that car was at that, you know, and on you go. That none of them make it, but you can enjoy them if you suspend disbelief for two hours. You can sit there and soak in the experience of a film. Yeah? We all, most of us do that kind of thing. Man, I'm the only one, again. <laughs> try, try this, try reading the Bible like that. Read the Bible for longer than five minutes and suspend disbelief. That's doing something that the new man likes to do. Rather than going, you know, like sometimes when you go, flipping it, don't understand that. Flipping it, that can't be true. Now just read it like it really is, because it is. Or how about, how about, how much time I give to films? Have you, how much I count up in a week or over a month, I sit and watch films. I, I like watching films. I wonder how much time is... How about sticking on a worship album and just kind of soaking that up for an hour? Oh, an hour? That's a bit extreme. Well, I can sit for two hours and watch a film that makes no sense whatsoever if you analyze it logically. What's wrong with sitting for an hour just soaking in some presence of God? Does your inner man lots and lots of good? Are you, are you, are you with me? We kind of freak out like, a whole hour with God. How could I possibly sit still and concentrate for an whole hour? We could sit in a film for two and a half hours. It, it's just kind of what we've become used to. Um, speaking in tongues. That's part of that heavenly equipment download. You just got it for free. Isn't that amazing? We, we can do it all sorts of places and all sorts. I'm just trying to encourage you. Those sort of things help keep you aware of who you really are. They help keep feeding the spiritual side of who you are and lift that up. It's not to not watching movies or doing all the other stuff. But, but we're spiritual. First of all, we're spiritual people. We're supernatural people. We are heavenly people walking around on the earth. We're a new kind of people, a new creature. And God wants us to do amazing stuff in our places of work and, and learning and in this city. He just keeps talking to us about transformation, which is salvation plus. And we want to see the miracles happen and grow and increase. And that's linked to us knowing who we are and treating one another in line with who we believe we are. Amen. Let, let's just pray and then, we'll, we're, then we're done. Father, thanks for these amazing things that you've done for us, these incredible realities that have changed so that we're now much more, uh, we've been made, not just like you, you live in us. Thank you, we're new creatures in Christ. Thank you, we have uh, new abilities, we have new desires, we have new passions, and the old has passed away, and the new has come. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I just pray for all of us here that we would learn to live more and more like you, more and more identified with who we really are. In Jesus' name, amen.